Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And you are listening to Subduck. This is a show... You're listening to a show about documentaries run by two comedians. That's me and Paco. And sometimes we have guests, but sometimes we just talk about documentaries we've seen uh, and tell you whether we like them or not. That is right. Well, you know, I just watched the Chris Farley documentary on YouTube, which was made by the Biography Channel. Hmm. Um and it's really good. It's actually, it's called Chris Farley, Anything for a Laugh, the full documentary. It's on YouTube. It's free. Um, my friend, who is a gigantic Chris Farley fan, um, more so than I, actually. Chris Farley's not my favorite SNL player. Mm-hmm. I love him. Phil Who's Hartman. top? Phil Hartman. Yeah, Phil Hartman's got to be one of the, one of the, the GOAT. The GOAT. He's the GOAT. The man's the GOAT. He is the goat of all goats. They called him the glue for a reason because he could help any, even in the shittiest sketch, he could hold it together. He could make it funny. How, how do you feel like, who do you feel like is, do you feel like Keenan has, re, is, is a Ooh. fair modern version of Phil Hartman? No. Keenan's been, Keenan's Ke- been there for the longest at this point, right? 20 plus years, I think. That he's Is been it 20 SNL? years? Oh, my God. I think so. That's as long as anyone's done it. That's more than Lauren's oh, done yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's so. been there longer than Lauren. No, I mean, Keenan does what Keenan does, and it's brilliant, and he's amazing, but he's not quite the Phil Hartman straight guy. You know, uh, Keenan has a tendency to get big and broad, you know, where, where I feel like Phil never really did like big and broad that much. Phil's definitely he more played. versatile. Like you could definitely say that Keenan's a, like he, he's very good at reacting to things. It, it's, he's oh, one yeah. of the best reactors. Oh yeah. He, his re, he's, he's brilliant. But like, I feel, I feel like Phil Hartman was able to do, cause I've been in sketches where I had to play kind of a secondary character and you don't get all the lines, but you still want to have some impact on the sketch. And there, there was no one better than Phil Hartman to mm-hmm. not pull focus from the main characters, but also to be an element right. you know, in the sketch. Mm-hmm. And there's just like no one better than Phil Hartman. I just love his style. I love his, his he just brought so much like elegance to everything. Kind of like a, Aykroyd 2.0, you know? Ah, yeah, the very elegant Dan Aykroyd. We always talk about how elegant Dan Aykroyd is. Yes. No, but I know but, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, yeah, yeah. Well, people used to talk about how Aykroyd was, like, a genius. Like, he's super smart, and he just knew everything. Like, the guy knew everything, and I, I get the same kind of thing from Phil Hartman. It was just like he just seemed like he kind of understood all the elements of comedy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I, I love Phil Hartman, and I, I, I like Chris Farley, too. I, I think, though, if for younger people growing up with SNL, let's say you're, like, in the year 10, 11, 12, 13, watching Chris Farley in the 90s, I think 
he would have had a bigger impact if I had been younger then. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it was just, it was just kind of like, I don't know. He's so broad. It was so big. I don't, it's not my favorite kind of comedy, but mm-hmm. I was certainly like interested in Chris Farley. So I, I sat and watched this doc and it's really well made. It's really good. I was really surprised because it doesn't gloss over the drug stuff, you know, that does not like bypass the drug use and the like, insane amount of pressure he put on himself and the obvious desire to emulate Belushi, who was his hero, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a really, it's a really well-made doc. Um, It's got lots of great footage and there's like a lot of the scenes are tied together between his three brothers who are in a restaurant and just talking about Mm -hmm. him as a kid and, his love of his dad and always trying to make his dad laugh, you know? Um, so that was really interesting. And I kind of like, I just listened to the Jim Carrey interview on uh, Mark Marin's WTF podcast. And there's so many weird similarities. I wrote the other day on Twitter. I'm like, to be a good comedian, you need one parent that is either physically or mentally uh, hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you had, you have had, you almost had to grow up with at least one parent that was like hurt, mentally or physically to be funny, mm-hmm. you know? Cause like a lot of comics were like, watch me dance, you know, like I'll make you laugh. Like I am the comic relief, you know? So I, I feel like Chris had that and yeah. So if you're a fan of Chris Farley, are you a fan of Chris Farley, George? I would say, uh, I think age wise, age wise, demographic wise. Um, I, I was maybe, I was very aware of him. Uh, I, I guess I was maybe more, yeah, that was that era. It was like Sandler, Farley, Spade. Chris Rock's on the early side of that, I think. Early side, yeah. But that is definitely uh, Will like, Ferrell kind of came in a little later. That's, well, yeah, Farrell's, I think, the tail end of all that crew. But yeah, like, I, that's yeah. definitely like a peak SNL time for me. Um, I do love, uh, you know, what's his most famous, one of his most famous things, the Matt Foley van down by the river. Oh, yeah. So classic. But, yeah, I'm not generally so into physical comedy. Uh, I did like a lot of British comedy, which is very broad also. And it has, like, there's, like, sort of, like, these weird, this weird dichotomy to British comedy because you think of it as, like, being, like, it's, like, oh, kind of drawing room and, like, clever and witty. And then also just, like, Benny Hill, right? Just, like, the whole thing, the whole gamut. But um, Well, even Monty Monty Python did a lot of physical stuff. Yeah, I was was a big Monty Python head, so that would be maybe more. But there's not not a big fat guy in Monty Python. I just realized that. That's a missing element. There isn't. There is not. But once in a while, they would put on a fat suit, you know. But, no, they didn't have the big fat guy thing, which it, it might be just uniquely American, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm sure. Like, there's yeah. I, I Farley. I we watched that other documentary about Farley that Brett Hodge right. did. Yeah, um, I'm looking. Chris Farley. Yeah, I'm looking at biography. Biography's got a ton of documentaries that are from biography.com. I didn't know much about biography.com. He yeah. seems like one of the more uh, 20th century examples on here. It's gets yes, he does deep into like. Well, let's talk about Alexander Graham Bell. Or, you know, oh, Confucius. Yeah. Um, (laughs) If you go to their website, I mean, their YouTube channel, there's a ton. Yeah. It's just funny that it's like, oh, like uh, Mark Twain and 
you know, Margaret Thatcher and then like, oh, Chris Farley. Like there's not a lot of like entertainers on here, but I guess it's like oh, yeah. the stuff you get the most actual footage from. Like if you're going to talk about someone from like the 1600s. Yeah. It's, like, there's no it's, I mean, that's what's cool I mean, about. <laughs> yeah. You don't have too many choices. Yeah, th- th- that's what's cool about this Chris Farley doc. There's tons of footage from him from uh, Second City, which is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Because um, have you seen a, anything about Del Close? Have you seen a Del Close documentary? I feel like there's like little Del Close like videos around floating around the internet. I don't know if I've ever seen a Del Close doc, but mm-hmm. I do know like he was just so fucking huge in that. In improv and in the Second City life, you know Joyce Sloan is like the matriarch of Second City. She was I do the, not know the producer. Okay. She was the producer of all most of their shows. She worked at Second City for years. And when I first moved out here, I dated a girl who's from Chicago, and she's like, "You're so funny," and I was like, "Thank you." And she's like, "You should be in Second City," and I was like, "I don't know how that would happen." And she's like, "My mom's best friend is Joyce Sloan," and if I like I will like tell her on your behalf. She's like Aunt Joyce, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and she's like, I will just tell her that you should be in Second City, and that will probably work. And I was like, mm, no, no thanks. <laughs> it's like yeah, another ridiculously stupid move I've made in my long and unstoried comedy career. But it, yeah, but she was like, she they called her like it was Aunt Joyce to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, no, let's not use personal connections. That doesn't happen in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, I'm going to follow the rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was so dumb back then, man. So, dumb. you know, I don't know if you even know this story, but I got asked by Brillston and Gray. Do you know Brillston and Gray? The I mean, I know, I know that they are producers, right? That they did a bunch of TV shows. Yeah. Tons of TV shows and movies. I mean, they are the production company behind Saturday Night Live. They helped Bernie Brillstein in 1975 help launch SNL with Lauren Michaels. They did everything. They were every the biggest comedy stars in the world. They were their rep. And in 1998 or 99, I got asked if I wanted to be represented by Brillstein and Gray, and I told them no. I was like, I'm a underground gorilla comedy video making and I literally said no to them and then I yeah and when I was working at Ohm Records at the time in San Francisco and I was telling my boss this story and he was like you should probably reconsider that they are huge so I wrote the guy back and I was like do you have a website (laughs) that I can go to to actually check you guys out and he wrote back did they email you how did they get a hold of you they emailed me through my website because at that time I had a really popular website called Free Dirt Media and me and my buddies were making comedy videos in 97, 98, 99 when nobody had websites. We had yeah. this fully functional – my buddy uh, David is a genius and he helped basically invent Flash animation in the mid-90s uh, okay. yeah, yeah. here in San Francisco. So our website had Flash animation and moving parts and pop-out – pop-outs with that you could watch our videos and stuff on. So it looked super professional and it became kind of popular because we were part of channel 101. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. 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 This is, 
Yeah, we're going old school well, now. Channel 101, that's like, I think, didn't like Dan Harmon come out of Channel 101? Like all these He did, and so, so did Tenacious D. That's where Jack Black first got really noticed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would send our videos to Channel 101, and we got pretty popular on that, and then that kind of helped our website. Brilston and Gray, I think we're looking for the new kind of like comedy stars of video like they were making their own videos pre this is way pre youtube years before youtube yeah stuff. so they sent through my website free dirt media uh-huh. they sent me an email and i still remember the agent's name his name was jay hana j-a-i-h-a-n-n-a jay hana and he said hey love your videos love what you guys are doing do you want to be rep would you want to be represented by brilston and gray and i wrote back no uh we're a gorilla comedy ah, theater we're thing. too punk for you we're too punk for you oh, yeah God. and then my boss who's okay so my boss at ohm records his brother ran the punchline so jim oh, Cornette yeah. ran yeah, the yeah. punchline my my boss was john Cornette, and we went to the punchline we would go to the punchline every friday night after work and go see like mitch hedberg and david tell and patrice o'neill and 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 that's how I found out about Brilston and Gray because I was telling my boss, his brother sat down with us and heard me say that I just turned down Brilston and Gray. And he's like, you should probably rethink that. And so then I send them back an email saying, hey, yo, do you have a website? I, and he goes, if you have to ask, we're not interested about. <laughs> yeah. So that was it. Oh. That was basically it. So, oh yeah, my God, that I, was I, the I, end of that this this reminds me of a story that i i could tell please not quite the in the same pocket as that but uh i was in high school and there was a contest where uh the local paper which is a pretty big paper i mean it's a you know a sizable in San Jose? city i grew up yeah the mercury <laughs> i'm not just saying that now uh they wanted to get hire uh, movie critics like teenage movie critics and oh, wow. I decided to write a review of a movie I had not seen. <gasps> nice. And I got it. What? They were like, I think they, they got... What was the four, movie? This is, this is a long time ago. Uh, four or five people, I think, got it. And they're like, we'd love for you to be one of the uh, critics, our teen critics. And I also was a fucking dick and just like hey <laughs> guess what assholes i didn't even <laughs> watch the me. movie that's how dumb your <laughs> fucking movie review set is and In now i'm just like face. and and it's like many many years later i'm just like oh i wish i was known for my film opinions the way i yeah am. Like, uh, and just like i totally we both shot ourselves in the dude. for being dumbasses in in the industry cool we school. ended up being in basically and loving and everything else yeah. dude that is so fucking funny for no Why reason for no reason no, no reason re- I, when i think about it now i'm like, like i didn't that i that made no point to anyone no point like did no. that one person who got to be like well this guy is blacklisted forever from the mercury yeah i'm just like what what i tried to become a critic for years after that and oh, I never I didn't, I didn't even think about the fact that like oh yeah I would have had a total leg up if I had gone into college with like some oh, you press think? clips yeah yeah maybe like under my belt you might I'm have just, actually oh my god George that's hilarious restart it, it over 
Do you have any other self-sabotage, giant self-sabotage moments? You know, it's because uh, it's in, it's very uh, it's not unique to just creative types, but it's very much a creative type thing to do. Uh, you know, our friend Pete Rojas, who's been on the show, who you know started a bunch of tech stuff and you know started in gadget and is in the venture capital world now. Like when he started in gadget, I was like living in like you know a a, a two bedroom house with seven people in Oakland, and he just was like, hey, would you want to like review? like tech gadgets and it's just like i don't think i know how to do that i i just write, yeah. I write record reviews i'm like right. i totally like if yeah. if i if i peed if you're listening i i regret not taking you up uh, on that's hilarious you're like what do i know about uh, tech reviews yeah. i write re- i write music reviews i pre- i had like a laptop that was very old that i would i had a cat scratching post i just used i just sat on my bed a mattress on the floor and would like type like in with a three by five floppy disk into this computer that was like sitting on a cat scratch post and just like oh my what, god what, what right do i have to like right judge you know a a blackberry <laughs> in my right, mind right 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 yeah yeah exactly what right do you have you oh. you're you would be an imposter dude imposter syndrome is the fucking worst i don't know why us creative types have that so much but we all do but like that where we both did the self sabotage where like it was the opposite of imposter syndrome or it's like it's like we're the real thing and you're not the real thing to like legit people <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. How dare you, uh, you and your extremely. And then I do remember um, going back and watching because the Larry Sanders show is one of my all time favorite TV shows. And at the end, it's like produced by Brillstein and Gray or Brillstein and Gray Productions. And I was just like, God damn it. Yeah, I watched enough TV in the 90s to have no I would have at least been like, I've seen that logo somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. <I> <laughs> Yeah, if oh. you watch, oh, The Sopranos or Larry Sanders Show or SNL, it's like, God damn it. I did. I also did that. I got offered uh, a job at YouTube in 2005 that I turned down because I didn't want to take the um, BART to San Bruno. <laughs> That's why. I turned down being a multimillionaire because I was too lazy well, to take look- a train. This is the thing that's insane. Look where we are now. Like we both have like somehow managed to fail through many things and like be okay. <laughs> that's right. That's why I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, one time I really did want to write a one man show about how I got fired to, to the point where I actually ended up doing what I wanted to do with my life, you know, fired from jobs I, I hated and probably didn't want to be in anyways. And I was going to call it fired up, which is like, fired up to the point I finally got to do what I wanted to do. But it took me uh, just way too long to get to that point. But, yeah, I know. It's kind of <laughs> odd. Here we are. Uh, doing what we love. Doing what Podcasting we love. on a weekday. <laughs> That's right. On a, on a weekday, I should be working. And what, Which is so – which brings us back to Chris Farley because it just seemed like that guy is just, like, destined – when I found out he died, I was like, of course, you know. Of course he did. Can you picture like, that guy just like being a guy in your office? Like, no. Like, just like, hey, brought over the reports you needed. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like, uh, remember. Well, stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I, um, yeah, I don't know. I heard, I heard a couple great stories from Norm McDonald about Chris Farley. He, he, he and Chris apparently are 
not, you know, extremely close, but, you know, they worked together a lot. And, like, he would tell me just, like, there was no, like, Chris Farley was never not on. He was just always on. Like, that is draining, man. Yeah. That will be, a, that's enough for the, you're like, you know what? I need a, I need a fucking joint, maybe a little heroin, a lot of whiskey to settle down, maybe a couple hookers, you know. Self-medicating. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Self medicating. Um, so, anyways, the the Chris Farley documentary on YouTube. You can check it out. I, I liked it. I thought. Go to YouTube.com. That's where you're gonna yeah, get that. The place, place like should have been working. <laughs> they wanted me to be the comedy content manager because at what that year time. Was this? 2005. So, like, right uh, when fucking Lazy Sunday <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's literally, people don't remember, but YouTube used to have a front page. Mm. And they would have just, it was anytime anyone uploaded a video, it would just end up on the front page in this scroll. And so you could stop a video if you saw it. it kind of like TikTok is now, you know? Like, it was just like, this video was just uploaded. This video was just uploaded. So what they wanted to do is have a sidebar where they had curated um, uh, content. Mm-hmm. And they were going to hire me to be the comedy content manager. So I would just watch comedy videos and then put it into the sidebar of like what to watch kind of thing. Do you do, do you feel like the lesson is just say yes to everything? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like you don't need to say no to things. You can just be like, I'll get back to you. And, but that's kind of a soft no in many words. Right. I think the saying that I like the most is say yes until you can afford to say no. Mm-hmm. You know, just keep saying yes to every opportunity. And I finally did learn that. Like the job I have now, I did not know. I was completely uh, not quite qualified for the job I have now. And I said yes, because I was like, I'll learn. I'll figure it out, mm-hmm. you know? And now I've been there for many months. So yeah. Yeah. If you're my boss and you're listening to this, don't listen to this. I was very qualified. Or, do, or donate to our Patreon. <laughs> also donate to our Patreon. Good plug. Donate. Support us on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash podcast. And for just a dollar a month, you can get quality content like this. Yeah, you, for for a dollar a month, you can hear more about things that we messed up in our own lives <laughs> and where we're asking you for a dollar now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, also, today is the 15th anniversary of one of my all-time favorite, not just documentaries, but films, which is The Devil and Daniel Johnston. Yeah. One we of my all-time like, yeah. We were lucky enough to talk to Jeff Frazig uh, a couple months ago. And actually, he, there's something we got to follow up with him about. We had this little collaborative idea that we, we can't do. talk about yet, <laughs> but maybe Not it'll yet. happen now that we're thinking about it. Yeah. Well, and we were going to talk to him about just like some, like his top favorite docs too. We were just going to sit down and chat with him about like what he loved to have watched. But yeah, he's got a project that's uh, hopefully going to be out soon that we'll have him back. But yeah, The Devil and Daniel Johnson, that's still one of those docs I remember renting, I remember watching and just being like, uh, need to watch that immediately again. That was insane. And um yeah, I mean, for people like you and I that were kind of of, of age in the 90s when Daniel Johnston, like, I think he was, he, I, I, in my mind, he was huge, but I guess he wasn't. But, you know, um, but we were around enough, yeah. you know, to see him. In certain circles, it's sort of one of those things. 
even it's interesting hearing Jeff talk about it because he's like, oh yeah, in certain circles he was the shit. Like it was just known. It's like yeah, people just knew. Uh, but like forget that how small that world is in general compared to like the rest of the world. I know. Yeah, it is weird because you think just everybody must know, but that's well, another yeah, great like, thing. It, yeah. Well, like when a band was like big in like the nineties and I was just like, they must be, they must be doing great. And I'd be like, you, you have a yeah. regular job. You, you have yeah. an office job. You're all not right. like making all this like college have, radio money. <laughs> right. Exactly. Have you seen Anvil? The story of Anvil yet? Yeah, we did. We did an episode on Anvil actually. Yeah. Oh, oh we man. did. Anvil. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shit. I'm kind of forgetting now. I'm getting old. That, that's because that's, that's, that's that Pfizer that. shot. You got that shot, you know? I did. I did you get got the, the COVID. I brain. got my second. Yeah. Got my second shot yesterday. And I'm a little. I am a little dizzy. A little tired. Yesterday I was really like. Um, Should have recorded yesterday. <laughs> yes. Did we have a guest for uh, Anvil? No. No. It was just you and I. We don't. It was just you yeah, and I. Yeah. Guests. Schmests. Guests. Schmests. Who needs guests? Um, you don't drink, but it would be fun to do a, a episode with just you and I and with some some drinks yeah you just you getting drunk and me being exactly the same <laughs> yeah exactly um but it's like it just reminds me of that beautiful sweet sad harrowing lovely doc anvil the story of anvil because it's the same thing where like he's just like it opens up on him i think putting bread into a bread van mm. and talking about like yeah, trying yeah. to get the band back together and going on tour and stuff, you know. You know, someone who com- who commented on this the other day, I think it was Laurie Kilmartin said like The Wrestler is the best movie about being a comedian. And I'm right. like, also a noise musician. Like it is also like <laughs> noise musician. Any kind of like there's so much like the wrestler just captures like the bleakness of like life right. on the road, basically of yeah, being like yeah. a starving artist, essentially. I can't imagine being trying to make it and be successful as a noise musician like that. Is, I mean, who who can you Look. who can you tell us about that is like. Okay, so we're the kings of noise so music. He, I, I I did a little bit of the math on this myself at a certain point because I was doing this and I was like, I never had really thought about what the bottom line meant, and I kind of like yeah. mapped it out. I'm like, okay, that means at the maximum there is maybe 300, 400 people in the world who care about who you are, and so if you do a tour, that means you're gonna get hit a city, and there might be five people that care about who you are. Uh, you could get a grant, but then you live in America. So probably not. So then the next best thing to getting the, the things you can aspire to in that world would be maybe like, maybe I could get a residency somewhere, which just means that my rent is paid and I can produce stuff. Um, like one, a friend of mine who's, I guess one of the like better known and super prolific, noise musicians he just like bought a house in ohio and you know left la to, to do and but like can afford That's now something. to just travel because he owns a house in ohio and put out records and do whatever uh Who's I mean, that? he does a bunch of different stuff john weiss um john Lease? weiss w-i-e-s-e um can we drop in a little yeah oh yeah right here yeah Who, let's turn let's some. will someone drop in <laughs> Essentially, um, <laughs> that and was not an actual recording. That I was actually George's impression. No, 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 no. That's from um, the Pink album. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure. 
like I, I even I remember talking to John and being like, have you thought about applying for residencies? He's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I think that's like probably the next thing you can do. Right. Uh, if you're not going to become like an act, because it kind of could you could go kind of like a couple of directions. <laughs> this is like not what people signed up for. And also uh, one of our uh, Patreons, Mike Shiflet, probably knows way more about this than me. Also lives in Ohio. <laughs> Uh, oh, Mike does. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, there, there is like, kind of like, you're not going to get streaming money from it. So this is like, also like 10 years ago that I was thinking about this the most. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I got to travel around Europe doing this. And I think that is the only real perk beyond just the doing it that you can right. do. So, um, yeah. Or you get into like sound design, just like Jonathan Snipes is like, you know, does all these scores for like movies like Glitch in the Matrix with with Rodney Asher. You know, like there's if right. you if you if you can sort of dial it into like I also do sound design, I also do this. Um, but just purely the thing itself. Um, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, that's I mean, that's so niche that it's I might one of my really good friends, Brent Gutzeit, was in a noise band in Chicago and they actually were fairly They were called Pencil Neck. They were fairly <laughs> successful. But like even that, like he had to move to Milwaukee just to live somewhere even cheaper. Yeah. To keep it up. I mean, I, I look at like the streaming numbers for some of these 90s bands and it's like you were like the thing. In like 1996, and it's like right, 18 listens on Spotify. You know, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's that's so weird. Um, let's. Um, so I also watched Last Chance You, which I love. Mm-hmm. Love that doc series, man. And this one's a bas- about a basketball team in East LA. Um, and uh, that, that's also another great. Docs, yeah. Series. Uh, we we have uh, again our Patreon fans are involved in producing that, so like that's something we could uh, probably get someone to come on and talk about the production of Last Chance You. I would love it. This last one was really good. I really enjoyed it, and that's patreon.com slash subdoc podcast. Um, <laughs> I love that they would just be paying a dollar a month to hear us talk to themselves. <laughs> right, exactly. You have to pay to be a guest. It's pay to play here on subdoc. Did you watch the Billie Eilish doc? I have not. I don't have Apple Plus. Uh, mm. Apple is it Apple Plus? Everything's a plus now. Uh, I don't Apple have TV. Apple TV. I do not have yeah. Apple TV. Uh, it's, I mean, it's you actually, might have Apple TV. <laughs> I have, I do actually have it. I don't get it for free, yeah. but I, it's only four ninety nine a month. It's actually quite cheap, but um, it's actually not bad. That doc, the Billie Eilish documentary. I don't know anything about her. Yeah, I, I thought for for a long time, I thought it was a guy from Britain. <laughs> so. You know, I did like, yeah. Um, so I didn't know, but it was very, very interesting to watch. Like it's, she's, she and her, her brother, like talk about like a lo-fi writing duo, you know, like they just chill in his bedroom. I'm pretty sure they live in, I live in the same neighborhood as them, I believe. I believe we're kind of adjacent or the house they grew up in. Uh, yeah, I don't. I know a little bit about the story because I remember when it was coming out, it's like, okay, she's homeschooled. Her brother makes the beats. She's social media friends with all these other like rap people. She kind of has become like the new goth. I feel like between her and Phoebe Bridgers, there's sort of this new goth 
vibe going on for for uh, right. TikTok goth. Um, yeah, I mean, she seems like talented and has done some nice stuff uh, in her in her with her fame, as far as I can see. Uh, right. But yeah, you knew nothing about this situation. So do you kind of follow zero? It follows her like kind of blowing up. Is that part of it? it like it follows her blowing up. It's yeah. it's like it literally shows her when she gets her first song on KALX in LA. KXLU probably. KLXLU, yeah. Or K-Rock. Like, I mean, probably KXLU would be play her before Yeah, I think K-Rock. that's, it had an X in it. Yeah, yeah. it's KXLU. That's the college station at Loyal Marymount, yeah. Yeah, and she, they they hear it and they're really excited up to the point where she plays, um, you know, big festivals and stuff. And it's really like, it's not really about her. It's more about the creative process, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very, very cool. It's really, really awesome to watch, you know. And you see the like, you know, how much her brother is just like, seems like some sort of crazy mastermind, you know. Yeah, he definitely is sort of, I mean, he's he's making the songwriting money off a lot of that stuff too. Right. So like, even if he's, yeah, he's the the producer. Yeah. So speaking of which, this is interesting. Um, well to maybe to you, I, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's what this podcast is about. It's interesting to George. Let's talk about noise music uh, and, and Daniel Johnson. No, but I, um, I was teaching, you know, uh, comedy and commercial voiceover class and there's a new TikTok video, uh, doc, doc, uh, Jesus commercial on, mm-hmm. and I wanted to use it as an example of pace. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, they're like, you're a tastemaker, a French baker, a difference maker. And I looked it up cause I thought it was a really great, well produced. And Dan Deacon is the, does the music for it. Oh, okay. Like, oh shit. That makes That's sense. That's pretty cool. Yes. Like national TikTok ad that's 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 good bread dan deacon is at the cutting edge of everything basically he's i feel like dan and like my other friend luke they kind of like find themselves at this sort of what do they say the intersection of of technology and culture like that's the thing yeah. people say you got to be at the intersection uh-huh. stuff uh that reminds me this is sort of a side thing i got a shout out uh, a podcast that i listen to sometimes which is done by my friends matt and holly called interdependence uh, and they, it's like a Patreon podcast, but they throw like, you know, like 40 minutes of it up on a public feed. And that is another thing that's sort of at this, they're music people that are also deep in tech stuff. And like mm. Holly is like a Stanford PhD and stuff. And like Matt, like teaches a music industry school. So like they kind of always have really, really interesting guests that are talking about like stuff in that sort of the tech music space and like they're they had this whole thing about nfts and i'm just like i just gotta kind of hear what they have because i'm not really getting the whole nft non-fungible tokens yeah but like like different uses of it and it's pretty uh pretty and it's like they're they're kind of hanging out with their friends and they have like really interesting smart friends so it's a uh-huh. fun podcast to listen to. I don't know how oh, much cool. it overlaps. I mean, I feel like some of our audience would definitely get into it. Uh, but yeah, interdependence. That's my plug. Since I didn't watch any new documentaries since Heaven's Gate. That's the only thing I've... I well, you saw a glitch, right? I saw a glitch a while ago. And um, fingers crossed, we have had Ronnie Asher on the show before. I'd love yeah. to have him back. Paco, do you know anything about Glitch in the Matrix? I do not. Do you know about simulation theory? Yes. Okay. So this is basically a history of simulation theory kind of through partially the lens of like looking at Philip K. Dick 
and okay. talking to like a couple of proponents of different forms of simulation theory and also just like it, it has a weird true crime angle to it uh okay. and like i like fascinating it. like there's a lot of animation that was there's a lot of animation so if yeah. you like uh cgi uh animation you're gonna and this topic it's a perfect fit for the topic right like cgi fits the topic of simulation Sim- well. simulation so like most oh, of the right. talking a lot of the talking head vi- videos are like fully like you know uh cgi over someone talking also like chris ware is in it which huh. i would not i was like what and then someone yeah. who's like friends of friends of mine who i do not know but I, I was i thought about like maybe reaching out to her if we couldn't get rodney uh, emily podhast is in it i don't know if that's how you say her name but she's like a arts writer um also academic person at berkeley but she writes for like the wire and stuff so she's in there as well um cool do you know anyone who's a big simulation person i i I have a couple friends who are yeah yeah i have a i did a interview um a couple years ago with this guy that has a youtube uh channel and he does mostly simulation stuff Mm -hmm. you know very interesting yeah it's very interesting I feel like so I, if we get Ryan Singer back on here, he's going to have something to say about it. I would think so. Yeah, it would be awesome to get Ryan back. I feel like didn't Johnny Pemberton say something about the simulation? Were we talking about the simulation with him? Oh, I don't remember. But, but yeah, I would not surprise. Yeah, me. Uh, it, it's it gets into a lot of like sort of even if you believe some aspects of it, then it's sort of like a bigger question of like, what are ethics in a simulation world? You know, right. Like what, like just because things might be a simulation, doesn't mean you have to be a dick all the time. Like what, you know, like they don't have to go hand in hand. Um, right, right, right. So I don't know where it's, he, uh, Ronnie sort of indicated that it will be widely available for streaming at some point later in the year. Uh, have no more details than that. But Glitch in the Matrix, gotcha. yeah, it was at film festivals. I believe it was at Sundance. Uh, yeah, that's my awesome. my bullet capsule review of Glitch in the Matrix. And he and and if you want to listen to our episode with Rodney, it was like episode very early or something. Very early. Yeah, we did uh, the um, room two thirty seven and the nightmare, right? Yeah, and the nightmare. Yeah, and right. it is it's weirdly kind of also. This is almost like a redux of Room 237 in the sense it's like a lot of simulation theory references the Matrix. So there's a lot of like fan theories or just like people using the Matrix as kind of the lexicon of how to talk about simulation theory. Uh, mm. I want to say the Wachowskis might be interviewed in this. I'm trying to remember. I think so. Yeah. Because I think. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I saw one of the Wachowskis interviewed in. Uh, Disclosure, I believe is the name of the film uh, About trans rights uh, But yeah, uh, I think that's the last time I saw her in something So, uh, Chris Ware also <laughs> Like an interview with Chris Ware When you see an interview with Chris Ware Like a video interview with Chris Ware I've never Yeah, right Are you a Chris Ware fan, by the way? I I don't know much about Chris, no and Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say like that's someone who thinks about comics similarly to a way a computer programmer might think about uh-huh. uh, a program. Like it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's such clean lines, such clean design. Oh, right. And also just like super, like I remember there being like kind of like flow charts to, I'm like, I've also been really thinking a lot about comics again recently. I don't know why I just like 
I'm like, man, I used to love comics. I always thought maybe I'd get involved in comics and I never have really been part of the comics world. That's really interesting. I was literally talking to a friend just like two hours ago about this same subject matter. I, 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 I collected a lot of things when I was a kid, but I did not collect comic books and I read them. I just never collected them, you know. I was never really a DC Marvel kind of guy. I like Mad Magazine and and you know Richie Rich and shit like that. But like, you like Richie Rich? Wait, I you actually enjoyed Richie Rich because I've never like read a Richie Rich comic. Richie Rich, Casper. Okay, like, I liked that style. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That style. Yeah, I liked I liked that kind of shit. That company, um, Garfield. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Mad Magazine, Cracked. You know, all those. I, I enjoyed all of those, but I never really. But I do remember when I worked at the, the bookstore on Hate Street in San Francisco that we sold uh, his Chris Ware's like graphic novels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that sounds right. And it's very adjacent to like the whole McSweeney's world and, and that right. stuff as well. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I had an alternative comics. Uh, I followed alternative comics for a while. But I don't know if that's even what they're called anymore. I don't think that's what they're called anymore. But um, graphic novels. Yeah. I don't know. Um. I you know I just come in dip in and out of it. But this, here's the thing: is like what I realized also recently, and you, this would maybe be another appeal of it for you is you realize like that's like where a lot of IP for movies and television comes from now. Right. Walking Dead came out of right. Uh, comics company was it is it dark it horse or image I'm, i was thinking about this the other day i didn't remember whether it was dark horse or image that did i might be wrong about both of those but yeah walking dead came out of comics and yeah it was like it was a um series right i mean it was like a graphic novel series yeah and i believe that invincible which is on amazon at the moment uh also mm-hmm. came out of a, a comic book it has the feel of a comic book i believe um right so yeah it's image comics that yeah did, uh, and they were in did. berkeley I, I think for a while yeah oh I, I feel like the bay area had like a, a big comic graphic novel yeah moment yeah well you know? comic re- do you know have you, did you ever go to comic relief in berkeley this is going to tie into something yes i have been there yeah okay so the rumor i always heard when i went there and there's also like berkeley has a long alternative comics history uh we should do a comics documentary i realize there is one uh that uh that's on amazon but um the genesis for comic book store guy i had always heard was the proprietor of uh of of the comic store in berkeley oh wow that's what i interesting because graining spent time in the bay area in the bay area um i think so or to the point where it's like that was such like yeah because he did like life in hell and he had a syndicated cartoonist and so it's a small enough world people knew that world right um so that's that's the rumor i always heard i bet there's people in comic stores all over the country though that are like you know that's based on that's me. <laughs> it's probably that's, a- yeah i mean it's <laughs> it is an archetype for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. worst episode of subduck ever um <laughs> the least awesome. amount of documentary yeah. content ever in this <laughs> well we just wanted to start like something new so i got my new computer finally got some recording stuff to work yeah we're so hopefully we'll we'll be doing this more often where you and i just have a chat bearing our souls about the failures of of show uh, business uh, <laughs> that's right i mean 
If if you don't talk about the failures of show business, you don't really have much because the successes of show business take up about five minutes for most people, you know? Good point. Good so, point. That's also like, also, you talk to anyone who you think is successful and they've got their version of those stories as well. That's the thing I yeah. kind of realized at a certain point. I'm like, I can talk to someone like, oh, yeah, I got cut out of that movie. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like there's always a yeah. story. I know, always. And even like, like I said, I was listening to the Jim Carrey WTF and he left LA for two years and went back to Canada and worked as a janitor because he didn't get passed at the comedy store because he had a bad set and was like, you know, maybe I need to go rethink things. So I, I, well, Jim Carrey still was like on TV when he was like in his mid early twenties, right? Like I think he was 21 when he was on In, in Living Color. Um, yeah, he was in this other show where he played a cart. Speaking of cartoons, he played an animator. I remember watching that show. Uh, oh. Yeah, I do not remember the name of the show, but it's like he was like a he had a he drew like cartoon ducks, and he was kind of like is like kind of like oh he's the center of the show. It's kind of like a uh, a sitcom, but it was like I think right. shot on film. Even I think it's one of the oh, really. Weird. I'm gonna dig it up and I'm gonna throw it in the show notes. Yeah, but I also like that's like I was like when people get successful in middle age. That's always like those are like the best people. Yeah, those are the best because they appreciate people. it. They do. Uh, uh, hint, hint. You, the two of us, right? Jack, <laughs> we yeah. will totally appreciate whatever you bone you throw. At us. <laughs> On that, let's say goodbye. So, um, watch docs. Let us know what you think. Hit us up at uh, supdocpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, support us on Patreon. Um, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you're listening to. Let us know who, what docs we should be talking about, and if you have any guest ideas yeah. and all that. Offer Paco a job. One of one of three jobs he could be having. <laughs> Offer me a job that I can turn down in a very dickish way. Uh, but George, this was awesome. So uh, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye.